everyone. Welcome to another episode of um, the JIBC Pointing Lives to Christ podcast. We've got to come up with something better. Not that pointing lives to Christ is a bad thing. Like, that's what we do, but an old it doesn't guy, flow. An old guy and his three minions. <laughs> Who's the old guy? <laughs> well, if you're not self-aware enough and you have to ask, that probably pretty much confirms the you're old, the old guy. retired guy. Is anybody listening to me? Oh, wait, We're listening. That's kind of like Biden. Never mind. Oh, man, we just win. went there. We just went there. Recording. And it's, it's like two minutes in. We're not even two minutes in, and well, we brought up politics. delete that and start No, I'm already. not deleting it. All right, every... <laughs> And uh, anyways, no, we we are so glad you joined us. I'm Aaron. This is Andy. (laughs) And I'm Dan. This is Paul. The old guy. The old guy. The old guy. Yeah. Um, So in this episode, um, hopefully you listened to our first episode, episode one, um, where we talked about the history of JIBC. And this episode, we wanted to dive into the importance of church membership. Um, local church membership. Um, I think we will probably hit on the importance of the local church. Um, you, we see that all throughout Paul's epistles and even in Revelation, John writes to the churches. Um, but um, we wanted to just talk about why why join a church? Because I think some people don't maybe understand the importance of it. They come, they enjoy the fellowship, uh, they enjoy attending. And I'm not disparaging anyone, but there is a biblical reason for church membership. So um, I'm going to open up the floor. Um, PD, what are your, you want to start out this conversation on? I'll be happy to start. Church membership. I think you have to begin with this. Um, You have to look in the New Testament because that's where the idea of church comes, right? It's the New Testament. We have to look in the New Testament and the first objection you hear is, well, nowhere in the New Testament is it commanded that I join a church. And, and that's true to a degree, that you will not find a verbatim biblical command, thou shalt join a church. But what you do find is that God, through various New Testament writers, uses terminology that, that implies, involves belonging, and I'm thinking of the four, the four ways that God illustrates the church in the New Testament. For instance, Peter talks about it in 1 Peter 5 when he's talking to elders. Um, Paul talks about it with the Ephesian elders. He refers to a local church as a flock, a group. A flock is a group, and it's a defined group. Every shepherd should know their flock, right? Um, in Ephesians 5, in that passage that we use for marriage, the church is equated to being a bride. A bride. We know who the bride is, right? Um, In Romans 12, Colossians 1, Ephesians 4, it's referred to as a body, along with 1 Corinthians chapter 12, but it's referred to as a body. Um, Paul and Peter both, in Ephesians 2, 1 Corinthians 3, 1 Peter 2, refer to the church as a building, all of those things have different, we have different understandings as to how that applies to the church, but they all imply identification as well. You know what the building is. You know the building components. You know who's in the flock. You know who the bride is. You know the body parts. 
And so to say that membership is not important is saying that, okay, um, flocks with just sheep who want to come in and out are okay, or or a marriage with brides who want to just come and go is okay, or a body with not every def- every body part defined is okay, or a building without structures named and identified is okay. Logic would tell us that's not okay. And so I think we need to begin there. Um, I don't know. Help us out, guys. What what do we see the scripture saying? What is a local church? Well, a local church is obviously a collection of believers that gather together to... Uh, I looked through this just again today and tried to prepare for, for tonight. And the part that kept coming back to me is that scripture talks about in the garden how he put Adam and Eve together and he created a family. And in that family, God has carried that picture down through all the way into the New Testament and into the church in particular, and that we're supposed to know who's in our family. We're here to lift each other up, to buttress, to strengthen, to care for, to watch over. And you can't do that unless you know who you're supposed to be looking for. I can't I can't look out after my neighbors if I don't know them. I can't look out after Pastor Andy's children if I don't know who they are. And I think that's part of where we're headed with the church membership in the discussion in particular. But the church is compromised to those people that have put their faith in Christ and have chosen to join with a regular group of believers to stay in that group and to become part of a growing body that will reproduce itself in the lives of others. But there's another key component, isn't there? It's not just the body, it's who leads the body. And that really, you got to have a church. So you can define what the leaders are as well, right, Andy? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and you know, you use the word body um, as is found in various places in Scripture, as you pointed out. And uh, you know, at the very top, we have the head who, who represents Christ, right? And uh, so the church is not you know Pastor Dan's church or my church or Paul's church or Aaron's church. It's uh, first and foremost Christ's. Uh, church, and I think that's a very important um, uh, truth to start with. Um, and then you have the um, the the authoritative, uh, the biblical authority, you know, that comes from that, stems from that, as elders, deacons, and so on. So, well, and I I think you said the key point there, Andy, is the authority, and which leads, I think, then to accountability. And if we are ultimately accountable to Christ because He is the head, then you can just, um, I, I guess you could say common sense would lead you down the path of, okay, well, if there's accountability, if there is a head, then there has to be a hierarchy, if you will, where you have the head of the church, with, which is Christ, you have the pastors, the elders, who are accountable to Christ, to God. And, and to one another. And to one another, absolutely. And and then you have the church. And then I, we're, we're going to get here a little bit later on in this episode, but Paul hit on this a little bit where church can't be church unless you know who is in the church, right? And so if it's people that just come and go and you don't know what's happening in their lives, how does a pastor, shoot, let's forget the pastors, how does a fellow brother or sister in Christ help them? How do they know how to pray for them? How do they minister to them? How do they gather around them, put their arms around them and and help them unless you belong? 
And, and I think even the gospel would even point us to a belonging, which is through the blood of Christ. So, you know, I think all of this is, is a puzzle that fits together, but to, to what we've already said, it all fa- falls under the head, who's Jesus Christ. Right, and it's clear in 1 Corinthians 12 that God puts churches together, right. local churches. The universal church, obviously God puts that together. He's right. sovereign over all. He, he assembles his church as he wills, and the local church is just a small picture, if you will, of the universal church, and God superintends. I've just been amazed over the years when I... Sometimes I'll look out when I'm preaching or something, and I look at at the group of people that I'm preaching to, and I'm like, only God would put these people together. Only God would do that. Um, and, you know, I think, about, back to your point about accountability, it just, it's fresh in my mind, because I just have been teaching this in the Getting to Know JIBC class, which you alluded to in the last episode. Um, you know, it's important to know who I am to protect as a as an elder. It's important to know who we as elders are to encourage. Not that we don't encourage non-members, but but we have a special duty to those who are under our care, to those who who I would say not just have committed, but who have covenanted together to be a part of a local church. And part of that covenant is they're expecting that their leaders are going to do what the scripture commands us to do to feed, equip, protect, care for, shepherd, shepherd these people. And and if I may, it's also, they also expect us to exemplify certain patterns of behavior. One is hospitality. How do we handle the stranger that has come through our door that is struggling to fit in, that's maybe hurting, that, that has a need? And, and I'm not talking about the panhandler that comes in, and and I know there are people out there that are hurting, but the, we also know there are people that make a regular circuit of the churches with their hand out looking for money. How we handle that circumstance, how we handle uh, the crises, and how we handle uh, the aches and the pains and the hurts, our, hurt, our hearts hurt when the people that are under us, that God has given us as a flock, when we see them hurting, and we know that that we can't fix their problems, but we can help bear some of their stress. And as we do that, the congregation should see us, the family of God should see us bearing each other's burdens. So we have that as an example, and we have that as a pattern we have to follow with our lives because we're the ones that's, that's supposed to be setting uh, the standards for those to follow. So we've kind of hit on um, why. We, we've we've uh, broached that topic. Why we we should belong, the importance a little bit. Um, the local church defining the local church. Um, you know what what that looks like. Um, you know because the local church has a mandate from from Christ in Scripture to do certain things. Um, and you know the first one that that um, I had down was Ephesians. Um, five verses 18 through 20, it says, and do not get drunk with wine for that is dissipation, uh, but be filled with the spirit speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the father. And so that is just one of the first things we're called to do is to gather together um, and to 
um, to 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 read scripture, to sing hymns, to praise God. And, and you can only do that if you're gathered together locally. And I guess why I bring that up, why that was on my mind is I know that we have some, there are some out there who have been really, really hurt um, at a church before. I mean, significantly, and I'm not, we're not making light of that. I'm not making light of that at all. But, and, and so they've gone down the road of attending church online. That they are there, they listen to a pastor, um, and it may be a great Bible preaching church, but you can't sing, you can't praise God together if you are watching or or just listening online because you've had a bad experience. Um, you know, now there, this, this, I, I do want to say the disclaimer here this excludes those who are not able to leave their homes and come to church. Um, and, and that's why we do these ministries. That's why we have this podcast, why we publish our, our uh, sermons online. But for those who just choose to not try to find a local Bible um, preaching, Bible-believing church, you miss out on that. Would you, would you guys agree with that? Is that oversimplifying it or? No, I, I, I take my cues when it comes to the local church from Acts chapter 2, the first church. Yeah. And if you take Acts 2, 42 through 47, it's pretty clear what the point of the church is. And, and one of the key words that's repeated and, and the pronouns that are used, it's themselves, it's they, it's, it's all who believed. There's this inclusion, it's, there's this group. And then you have words like together. Together is used a couple times in that passage. Um, you're right, you have to be together. You have to be there. You have to be a part. Um, and what are they doing together? They're devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. So, so the first thing that Luke, when he when he's talking about that church, is is there is a high emphasis, and and I strongly believe that any healthy local church has a strong high emphasis on the word of God and its proclamation. And if it doesn't, it's not healthy. I don't care how many people are coming. Yeah. Um, you devote yourselves to 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 teaching. You devote yourself to fellowship and breaking of bread and and prayers, and you know you see throughout the rest of that passage that they're doing this together, together, together. There, there, there. There's a there's a unity. There's a commonality. There's a there's a there's a desire of these early believers to to be there. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> ecclesia is the Greek word there, and it means literally to, to assemble those who have been called out, uh, that are, that are called to assemble and, and meet together. Yeah. You, Go ahead, Paul. You were looking at, at Acts 2, and I went ahead and, and went there, and I noticed as you finished at 42, they continually devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship. I looked at 43, and it says everyone mm-hmm. kept feeling a sense of awe. And then in verse 44, and all those who had believed... And, and we're certainly not going to admonish everyone to follow Acts 2.45, which is the selling of their property and possessions. But I would say that those that were there that kept feeling the sense of all and those that all believed or were together, they were knitted together into a functional body and a family that were thriving upon the Spirit of God as they studied the Word of God and did the work of the Lord. And it identified them forever and ever as being part of the church. And one of the interesting sidelights to that passage is and it, and 
I'm going to get busted for critiquing the modern church movement, but a big part of the modern church movement is how can we get bigger? How can we build? Yeah. That's not what they're doing. At the end of that chapter, verse 47, it's very clear who's doing the building of the church. Mm-hmm. It says, the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. It's the Lord who's who's sovereignly calling people into salvation, and it's the Lord who's putting them in the church. And not that we don't need to put our best foot forward, not that we don't need to be welcoming and friendly and and receptive to people, but it's up to God who he adds to the church. It's it's not up to men and and any any line of thinking that that involves what will this do to our numbers is totally anti-biblical. Yeah. Yeah, we're not called to grow, we're called to take the gospel. We're called to make disciples, right? We're called we're called to proclaim the word. We're yeah, called to right. we're called to we're called to call people together to to fellowship and to serve and to and to worship together and to pray together. We're called to do that. Right. I you know, it's funny, Andy said that that the term there is ecclesia, which we understand is the called out, and yet at the same time, one of the great one of the great things people don't understand is we we were called out, but yet we have been called in too, mm-hmm. taken from one. And and we have here at JIBC have never had a growth program, as I admitted in the first episode. The only time we ever prayed for growth was we asked God to send us young families of childbearing years so that we could have an opportunity to minister to their children. And I in one of my all-time favorite passages in in all of the New Testament is found in Titus 2:14. And and Paul writing, he says he gives and he gave himself for us, gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed that he might to purify himself a people for his own possession. We're different. We're unique. Uh, the King James says uh, a peculiar people, and the only way we can be that peculiar and that different and be in places to be with people that are like that. So that's, to me, that is part of what makes up the church. We're all we're all different in our own way, but yet we've all been knit together that that difference makes a beautiful picture when you look at it. The, uh, the demographic of JIBC, all the way from the guy that has got grease under his knuckles to the, to the man that's a doctor, to the woman that is home with her family doing one of the greatest chores in life, raising her children, and to the to the husband or to the wife that's out earning a paycheck because they need it. God has knitted all that together to make that the church by the spirit that he has put in them, and he is making them a unique, wonderful creation for himself. Hmm. That'll preach, dude. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to write that, that down won't tweet. Good, good that's word. too long to tweet, but that'll definitely preach for sure. So I, I hit on something, and uh, I, I don't know if, if it'll be a curveball or not, but I can't help but maybe there are some that will listen to this and say, you just don't understand. I go back to, um, I, I can speak to my own family members that have been truly crushed by whether it was a pastor, a congregation, or something. And and um, Paul, you talked about it a little bit in the last episode, how when you first came here all those years ago, uh, you weren't exactly welcomed here. And, and you have those that truly have been hurt. What do you say to those people that that are like, you don't understand, I don't know if I can do that again because of what has happened. I mean, first of all, it's easy for us to sit here and go, well, we've just read you the word. So, you know, the, God's word is king. And so you just have to follow the word. But we also have to be loving and understand that they truly, truly are struggling. When, what we went through here 
Tony and I are, are of, of a much different ilk than most people. We, when we you just to, said ilk, so yeah. uh, there's that. Look it up. It's not. It's it's milk without the M. It's ilk. <laughs> I'll, I'll Google it. It's mindset. Okay, a way. Okay, of mindset. Thinking. Got it. Oh boy! I tell you what, I got college degrees in here, and one word from the retired electricians, and they stumble. I thought of Lord of the Rings or something, like ilk. when you said ilk. Anyways, um, go ahead. Sorry, Tony and I went when God saved us in 1987. And we first came here, and that would have probably been late 87, early 88, when, when God did a marvelous work in us and moved us off to another church. I said I would never come back, but at the same time, we always kind of understood God would do with us as he had designed. And when people say, you know, I got hurt, I have, I have a child that was, that was hurt in a church and cannot get that child to return to a church. And I have tried to explain to that child that the church did not hurt them. God did not hurt them. God did not put the pain on them. That was the result of either sin or a very, a very careless word, a very careless thought. So my ad- ad- admonition to people that say they got hurt in churches, churches are full of imperfect people serving a perfect God. And the minute you arrive there, you just add your imperfection to the existing imperfections there, and you just need to find a way to get beyond it. Find someone, find somewhere where you fit in in God's plan, and let him heal you as only he can, as you're ministered to by the Word of God. Well, I guess one other thing, too, that that you said something, and I I mean, throw it out here for you guys to, to comment on, but... You said it, it wasn't the church that hurt you. Well, it could have been the church, but it it I, I think there's a real possibility there's good potential. It wasn't a biblical church. It, it wasn't a it wasn't a pastor who who was a Bible preaching um pastor that was loving people. It it was not questioning the salvation, but at that moment, they were not acting as a biblical pastor. Um, it, you know, the, there, were, there may have been dysfunction within the church. And so I, I just say that because there, there may have been those who the, the church did treat them poorly, but I would just say that would not have been a scriptural church. Is that, is that fair? That's a fair statement, I think. I think that when it comes to people who have been hurt in a local church, it, it's real. It happens, yeah, and it's, yeah. it's significant. But here's the thing, and, and I don't want to sound calloused in this, but, but you got to go back to the Word of God. Either the Word of God is true or it's not. What is God's plan for, for this time? Yeah. What is His plan for this time? Hmm. Is, is, it, is it that we can get hurt and we don't have to be a part of a church? Or do we go and... and put ourselves in a place where we're with a body of believers. Is that difficult at times? Yes. Just like just like every one of our families can be difficult right, at times. Right. You know, and that doesn't mean that okay, all of a sudden I stop being a father because, you know, maybe one of my kids is difficult or I stop being a son because I can't get along with my parents or my other siblings. Um no, I still have to do that. That's what that's what God's put before me. And as a believer, I can, I can, without any shadow of a doubt, say this, God's will for his children is that they be a part of a local church, that they, that they go and that they function in that local church, that they, that they 
that they be edified in that church, that they be equipped in that church, and that they serve in that church, and that that they are in the context of that local church carrying out the one another's that are so clearly mm-hmm. given in the word in the in the word in the in the New Testament. It's in the context of the church that we love one another, that we pray for one another, that we exhort one another, that we bear one another's burdens. God's built this beautiful thing called the church, and he's given us the framework whereby we can live this out. Does it always look good? Does it always feel good? And that's part of the problem because we get our feelings hurt, and I'm not trying to minimize that, but but we tend to let our feelings dictate to the point that we don't deal with the facts of God's word. And if and if I may, first Peter talks about aches and pains and struggles and strife and getting along with family members and getting along in the church and getting hurt and the government. Part of being part of the church is at some point you have to expect an a saved person to inadvertently, most likely, maybe maybe on purpose, is going to do something that hurts your feelings. That's why God's commands are so clear that you seek that person out when they have hurt your feelings. It's not so you can bash that person, but it's so that you can grow in grace and admonition of the Lord so that you can go to that person and you can look them in the eye and you can say, I know you may not have meant to, and if you did mean to, you you have hurt me in this way. And then the true believer's response is, I am sorry. I didn't, you know, if I meant to do that, you know, I, I have sinned. Either way, the command is there is to repair that relationship. So saying, I got hurt in a church, I'm never going back. Then you're not willing to accept what God has said you need to do when you get your feelings hurt or someone's called you to sin. We throw this term around offended. Offended means cause someone to sin. Did they cause you to sin or did they just ruffle your feathers? So what you're saying is many times people who have been hurt, <laughs> and if you're listening and you're one who's been hurt, not trying to rub salt in your wound, but what you just said, Paul, is you might be in sin because you haven't handled the offense correctly. And and frankly, I'll go a little bit further, and I probably will get us in trouble. If, if you have been hurt by someone and you have ought against someone and you have not sought them out to reconcile then frankly, taking communion should bring great conviction upon your heart. Because Scripture says you need, you need to have a right relationship. If there's sin, leave the altar. Leave your gift at the altar and pursue that person that has hurt you or you have hurt, even more importantly, and rectify the situation before you go any further because it's a hindrance in your life. And I can speak to that from experience. I have had to do that just recently, and I know it hurts. It's uncomfortable. Uh, but you do it because God has commanded to do it. And on the other side of it, there's free, even if it don't go the way you want it to, you're going to find joy and freedom and peace in it. Well, one of the one another's that is clear in Scripture is Ephesians 4.32, forgive one another as God in Christ Jesus forgave you. If, if somebody's not willing to go and seek forgiveness, then in many ways you rob somebody the opportunity of being forgiving. Yeah, it makes me think of... Um... Hebrews 10, 24 to 25, when it says, and let us consider how to stir one another uh, to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. You know, and when some, 
you know, someone is hurt by the church and they they um, draw away or they leave and 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 don't come back and they consider all churches to be the same and um, and and treating uh, others ill. Um, you know, I would I would agree with these guys that um, that person should take a hard look at themselves and take an even harder look at the scriptures and uh, consider what they they should submit to um, under the most. And I would even say that there are some who who leave. The, the local church because not maybe maybe sometimes not even because somebody at church hurt them but um, sometimes I, I mean I've heard it in the last few years um, somebody has has left the church because of hurt they've experienced outside of the church and they just kind of need to take some me time and uh, either either case I mean um, we're called to be a part and uh, an active part of of church. It's it's one of God's ways in which we uh, can become more like Christ. It's one of His plans for sanctification. This probably have to be another episode, but it's indicative of what I see in the local church, and we've talked about it even as elders in in meetings and such. Um, we've allowed American consumerism. Mm-hmm. to yeah. influence us. And that's a big subject that I don't want to just totally open up here because we have limits on time. But but if you see yourself as a consumer and church just, you know, a big box store that provides for you, it's easy to walk away from that church. We're not to be consumers when we come to church. We're to be participants. We're to be we're to be covenanters, if you will. I think I just made up a word. We're we're to we're to covenant together. We don't consume. Because when you go in and consume, guess what? You're going to get consumed. Yeah. And I, I think the the other thing, too, that it would be uh, good to point out, and this would probably be yet another episode, would be the fact that there is a time to leave a church. Absolutely. There, there is no a doubt. time. And so um, we are no in no way saying that no matter what happens, you stick it out and you be a good Christian and you just take it and just say, just apologize whenever you can. There are definite times, um, false doctrine, false gospel, you know, the, those types of things. Abusive and, leaders who don't repent. Uh, yes. Amen. Right. And, and so there is definitely a time, but I think taking this full circle would be, but then we are still called to find another right. church, right. body, family to, to join. It doesn't mean, okay, I've been hurt here, and, and so I'm not going to go to church anymore. Hebrews 10, Andy is so right. Bring, yeah. yeah. It doesn't apply just for one church, and when that church right. doesn't meet your standard, then God gives you a pass and like, okay, you got to get out, get out a jail-free card for the rest of your life. You don't have to try the church thing anymore. We can right. confidently say that that is God's will for us to, to go to church. Yeah. <laughs> so so I, think that's, I think that's a good segue. And, and uh, PD, I know you have notes as well. You guys may have notes, so stop me if I'm jumping too far ahead. But we, we've talked a couple different times about what the church, well, we've already talked about what the church is, um, what the local church is, kind of the the overall purpose. But I, I don't want to miss out on that the members, the members of a church have a mandate as well. Um, yeah. Can I start that with something yes, that's not even in your notes here, yeah. in our notes is, and this is something that that I wish, and I would love to figure out a way to teach just explicitly at our church, I think members have a duty to be prepared when they gather. Cool. And that's the duty is they need to be prayed up 
they need to be they need to come like not as the consumer but as the as the servant ready to ready to who lord needs encouragement today who lord needs some truth in their life from that maybe you want me to speak who needs me to smile at them today lord my heart is it ready to receive your word today am i am i in a position where i'm ready to go and and i think that's something that's gotten lost I was gonna. I, I had something planned that I was gonna. I was gonna say something similar. Go for it then. Because I, I, I love how you shepherd from the pulpit, and sometimes even before you start preaching, you, you encourage that. I've heard you encourage that from the pulpit before, and um, you know that I, I, I love that. You know, being prepared for coming together and gathering together with the body to be able to submit yourself to the the preaching of God's word, um, and, and that takes sacrifice. Not only getting here on time and things, but it might it might mean you know going to bed early on a Saturday instead of hey, staying, up, staying up to Except if the Buckeyes are playing the late game. <laughs> Go fight on. Um, <laughs> um, but no, I, I love that. You know, I, I think, you know, I, I oftentimes see, you know, Sunday morning and it's not because I'm just, I, I work here as a pastor, but I, I see Sunday morning as game day. It's a day that we can redeem the time and be with our people all together. There's no day like it any other day in the week. Um, it is a very special day that we should um, treat as such. And, and that doesn't mean, by the way, that you come here and put on your best game day face and, and be fake. Um, it, it means that you are going to come and you are going to be open and real with your brothers and sisters and your pastors and, and the local body. Um, because I can tell you just um, personally, when I have somebody approach me and they ask me to pray for them or they reveal something that they're struggling with, it's a blessing in, in a way. That may sound weird, but it is a blessing, first of all, to know that, okay, wow, somebody else is struggling like I am, number one. And it's so awesome to be able to know specifically how I can pray for somebody. And and so if you come thinking that, okay, I, I got to be all put together, I got to put on this fake facade and I got to put on my best clothes and I got to put on my, my uh, like I said, I'll, I'll just say game day face, that it's fake. It, it, it doesn't work. And so um, I, I had here 1 Timothy 4.13. Now, of course, Timothy, Paul to Timothy and, and the pastoral epistles, but I, I think that, um, guys, correct me if I'm wrong, but this applies to everybody. And it says, until I come, give attention to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation and teaching. Do not neglect the gift within you, which was given to you through prophetic utterance uh, with the laying on hands by the council of the elders. And so this is this is talking about the elders and and there are those who are called to teach and so on and so forth. But there there is a, what I'll say again, is a, is a mandate that that we are we are coming together and we're giving attention. I, I like that, and, and I think that Andy goes back to what you were saying. We're, we're not just coming to hear; we're giving attention to the public reading of Scripture. The the word in Acts two was devote yourself to. Yeah, that's like wholly give yourself to. Right. Not. Um. You, everybody knows that I'm a huge Ohio State Buckeye fan. What? When I go to a game. I wholly give myself to that. Even if I don't go to the game, if I'm sitting in my man cave watching, I wholly give myself. When when they score touchdowns, I yell. Do we wholly give ourselves to to the do we invest? Do we wholly give? Do we, you know, I don't know. It I think at times we're not excited about God's word because it doesn't thrill us. It, and I get that way. 
Yeah, it, it, it struck me. We just recently here at our church, well, it's been a, a few months ago, earlier in the summer, had a, one of our um, young women went to the Middle East uh, for a short-term missions trip. And she came back and, and gave an update to the church. And one of the things that 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 really stood out to me was she talked about how in the Middle East, the, the Muslims, um, everything shut down and they went to the mosque and like nothing was open. You know, she talked about the fact that the markets, everything were closed. And we should, like, if a false uh, pagan, false religion like that, if they devote themselves so wholeheartedly to where everything is shut down, I think, I think that gives us something to think about. You know, when, when it's, it's kind of a, we just come to church and we just kind of do the thing and then we go on about our lives and we want to bring the world in with us. We want to be really comfortable in church, um, you know, to, to your point where we stay up late on Saturdays and, you know, all of those things. We all like our creature comforts. I do too. Um, but I, I, it just really struck me that they are that devout, but our faith, the only true faith, the only true God are we preparing ourselves? Are, are, are we coming ready to go? Yeah, and I, I, think, I think the reasons, I mean, why we don't, I mean, I'm sure there's several, but I think one of the reasons why we don't consider church to be so important uh, today, you know, I'm just speaking of the American church today, um, you know, we could even use the word essential, is because we don't know what it is. Um, and we don't know what it's about. We don't know what it's for. We don't it, see its value. We don't see its value. And I mean, like... Like consider this. I mean, Christ loved the church so much he died for her. And 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 so there's such a great love uh for the church that Christ has. Shouldn't we shouldn't we mimic that love? And um, you know, I we just the craziness of these past few years with COVID and and whatever else that might come in the future, persecution. I mean, if we don't know what the church is and and, and what it's about and what it's for, I mean our local church will just just crumble. We see it too often in the tangible, we see it as the building, the parking lot, the place we come <laughs> yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. And I think if anything, we all learned, even though we weren't gone that long from being to, apart during COVID, we realized really quick, it's the people. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and it's, it's, it's the, the being together. It's that acts too, that, that, you know, they, they didn't have a building to go to. They were, they were hijacking the temple. <laughs> <laughs> That certainly was not a church, <laughs> right? In our understanding of it, part of what I think we saw too was the number of people who said, "Well, you know, we're not going to church anymore, but our, you know, our lives really haven't changed all that much." And I, I, I murdered that statement in my heart so many times. And <laughs> and you know, I don't, I don't understand it. There's there's no legitimate reason for a believer to say. I'm as good today as I was a year ago, and I haven't been to church in 11 months. If Jeez. anything, they ought to hang their head and repent and find a church to get into. Which tells me that those believers didn't value their contribution in the one another's. Right? They yeah. saw church as something they were getting, not something that they were <laughs> supposed to go and give. All about me. When, All about me. When I was in when I was in Bible college, they had a motto at the school, and I and I railed against this every time they said it. Um, you know, I was a 
I was a stern, uh, I don't want to say stern. I just, I've never conformed very well. I know that's kind of a shock. He's saying he's grumpy. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, um, I railed against this because their motto was because life is for service. In case you're wondering, it's the Appalachian Bible College in Bradley, West Virginia. And um, as I got away from it and I got into church service and really began to serve, I began to understand even more so the value of that statement. Mm-hmm. When I saw, when I see so many people that are unwilling to invest a minute of their time in the ministry, and yet God has called us to serve. Right. You know, not necessarily to be served, but the great the great contrast is is that the more you serve, the more you become served. So why did God give us spiritual gifts? To to, to use them for ourselves, for our know, own gain? To decorate your house with them or to tell everybody you got them. I don't know. But well yeah. I yeah, and, and it's funny you say it because I was actually, I had this written down, Romans 12, verses three through eight. I'll read it really fast, but it says, for through the grace given to me, I say to each one among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so um, as to have sound thinking as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body and all members do not have the same function. So we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another, but having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, whether prophecy in agreement with uh, with faith or service in serving or he who teaches in his teaching or he who exhorts in his uh, exhortation. And it just goes on. Um, uh, he who gives with generosity, he who leads, with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. I mean, there, there's this idea that there is no separation. There's there's no individuals. And, and I think we've all said that throughout this discussion, that we cannot fulfill what Paul is saying here in his letter to the Romans if, if we're not together. You, you can't single yourself out mm-hmm. if you are a true believer. First of all, you're the body of Christ. You, you and, and so if you're the body of Christ, you've been given a gift, which that's where I was going with what you just said, PD and well, Paul. You're, yeah, it's a body. You don't wake right. up in the morning and like, I'm going to leave my eyes at home today. I don't need them. <laughs> right. Well, most people leave their brains at home. Well, that's <laughs> if they have them. But yeah, you don't wake up and say, you know what? I'm not going to need the thumbs today. Mm. Right. Isn't it cool? Uh, Romans 12, 6, it says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Yeah. Um, you know, in, in, in other words... The gifts that we have, the spiritual gifts that that have been given to us by God, I mean, we can't we can't even exercise those without Him Him giving us. We can't serve Him unless He enables us uh, and, and gives us those gifts to begin with. I think that's I think that's really neat. As as I prepared and, and read over this several times, uh, and we talk about coming together as a group. There's a passage in Proverbs, Proverbs twenty seven seventeen. It says, "Iron sharpen iron." Yeah. So one man sharpens another. Uh, I'm sitting here looking at a Damascus knife, has all these wonderful uh, gradations in it where a piece of metal is folded and then worked and then heated and folded and heated and folded until it's finally hardened and then shaped into what they want it. And the knife itself is is relatively beautiful to look at, but its beauty is in its strength. It was sharpened and it was honed by something harder than itself. It was formed into this shape by the one who knew what he wanted that knife to look like. And that's exactly the picture of the church. He knows God knows what he wants it to look like, and he will continue to sharpen and fold until the church takes the shape that he wants. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think especially in the day and age we live in, I mean, it's becoming more and more apparent that, um, you know, that, that we are, there's all kinds of different beliefs out there where we're headed towards the end times, we're in the end, end times. Um, we know that the rapture could come at any, any time, but um, uh, we need to be gathered together. Uh, uh, we need to um, strengthen one another. We need to disciple one another. And that is the purpose, whether it's here at JIBC or wherever you're listening, your local church, um, you, you need to get plugged in. You, you need to, to um, serve and be served and ultimately serve the one, the only true God. Um, you know, because, um, I, mean, I mean, we've always been called to do that. But e- even today, I, I can just speak, I think we would all agree with that, that um, y- you need to. Find a church that has a high value on the preaching and teaching accurately of the yeah. Word of God. Find a church that encourages you to serve. Find a church that that cares about you. Find 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 yeah. a church that has elders that care about you. Find a church that that will value your service. Yeah, notice the PD didn't say anything about finding a church with perfect people or the church that makes you feel good every day. With or, the most happening worship service. Right. <laughs> Billy Graham once said, find a perfect church and then join it, then it won't be perfect anymore. There you go. There you go. All right, everyone. Well, um, I, I'm glad you joined us on this episode. This has been a little bit longer one, but um, again, we're, we're it's, it's such a blessing for us to be able to bring this ministry um, with you. So we just ask that you um, share this podcast with others, whether it's these more of a, a commentary um, type of episode or, or just our um, our regular sermon ministry, if you will, um, on this podcast. So um, until next time, everyone. Um, Like we said, find that church, get plugged in somewhere. We just pray that you would um, find a way to to serve the Lord and and that you would follow him and that you would um, go to the word of God, which is sharper than any two-edged sword. And uh, we just pray that that he would bless you um, as you do that. So everyone take care and we'll talk to you soon.